Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 85. Let's roll. And I am sure that you are listening to this right now. I think it's going to drop on Thursday. So you're listening Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We're in the middle of the draft somewhere along the line. And uh, we're recording this just before the draft, Wednesday night, NFL draft eve. It's kind of like Christmas Eve. Feels like the same type of thing. I mean, it is so exciting. We all love the NFL draft. If you're listening to this podcast, you fucking love the NFL draft. That's just a fact. And uh, I've got a I've got a very uh, special guest with me this evening, uh, the director of analytics here at the Undroppables, a longtime friend of mine, and someone who is. Uh, long overdue for his maiden voyage on the undrafted. I am talking about no other than Blake Hampton. Blake Hampton, talk to me, brother. What's going on, man? I appreciate you having me on pre-draft. As you said, it's Christmas time right now. I am skipping an event that my wife has asked me to attend tomorrow because of the NFL draft. I was willing to get in trouble for that. Um, so it's the best time of the year. Um, so it's a good time to be in the the doghouse. Just, uh, just as long as the doghouse has cable. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm in the doghouse alone. So she will be out of the house and I will be sitting on the couch, nachos in hand and then taking in every moment where we will, all this research we've been doing for the last two months, we are about to throw entirely out the window and emotionally overreact to every single thing that happens. I, I love emotional overreaction. Who doesn't? I mean, that is so much fun. Um, I'm, I, you know, the interesting thing, of course, is um, Thursday night will offer us only a sneak peek into what, you know, what what's really going on because hardly any running backs go, uh, you know, and, and things like that. The running backs are, are what we're going to see generally in day two. Uh, And we're going to talk a little bit about that, about, you know, where these guys, um, you know, should be drafted and and what it means if they are or aren't drafted here or there. We'll we'll kind of touch on that type of stuff and especially with the quarterbacks. uh, And let's start there, Blake. You know, we've got a lot to talk about, so we don't need to, you know, talk about too much nonsense. I want to get right into it, man. These quarterbacks. You know, I wanted to ask you a little bit, too, and I think you might have a similar uh, process as me. What is your sort of thought process going into this quarterback class and how are you approaching it in terms of, you know, what you're doing uh, in rookie drafts? Well, I think a lot of it is predicated on uh, draft capital, obviously, on where these guys are going. Um, One of the things that I'm actually hearing on a lot of other podcasts with insiders is that there's a chance that you're not even going to see a quarterback taken until like the Steelers at 19 or 20. Um, I've seen some people like on the ringer, they're like hot taking that there's not even a quarterback taken in the first round. Um, And so a lot of my strategy behind quarterbacks is going to be that draft capital. I like having quarterbacks that show that they're athletic, uh, even if their measurables aren't athletic to show that they run on the football field. Um, And then tying it into situation as well. I think when you're looking at the first couple of years, uh, and obviously they're kind of the unicorns uh, that end up turning an entire franchise around. But I think the majority of these guys are going to be pretty uh, well predicated on the situation that they're tied into as well. Uh, so those are kind of the main things that I'm looking for. Draft capital, rushing upside, and situation. 
for the yeah, most with, part. It's pretty crazy too because this this draft class overall is not very good, and that's why there's not a lot of them uh, being mocked uh, in the first round. Which is also why there's some publications, as you point out, that are uh, starting to say, "Well, there might not be one taken in the first round or until pick 20. and that's all because they're not you know top tier uh, prospects. However, almost all of them, I mean, maybe except Kenny Pickett, he's the worst one, all have a little bit of Konami code upside and rushing upside, which makes it very, very interesting from a dynasty fantasy football lens. And I think the way that I'm looking at this is it's kind of like I look at uh, Malik Willis and he has this sort of very high ceiling and, you know, very low floor to be to be fair. But if he gets that draft capital, that's one guy I'm really looking at at the top of the drafts. But after that, I'm actually looking at maybe taking the last quarterback or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, not yeah. worried about getting my guy, so to speak, because <clears throat> I think those next four, I, I have them, um, Sam Howell, um, th- then Corral. Um, th- well, no, excuse me. I have Sam Howell, Ritter, Corral, uh, Pickett, but I have them back to back to back in my rankings. In other words, even in uh, overall big board, I have them all four just you know together because I don't think – like, I think you're right. Whoever gets the draft capital, I'll be looking at that guy first. Like, if Ritter goes 20 to the Steelers, I'm just making this up. All of a sudden, he's probably number two. You know what I mean? And he, uh, that, see, in that type of situation, that's kind of what I was mentioning before with the, uh, with uh, me looking at the situation. Like, if Ritter goes to the Steelers, I mean, he's going to jump. I see him going a lot in, like, the early second right now. Yeah. He's going to jump really high up there in Superflex uh, rookie drafts. I mean, he's going to go mid first round at that point with that type of situation. So those are just kind of the things you need to look at. Uh, and, and funny on your rankings there, that's pretty much exactly how I have it right now is Malik Willis, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, Corral, and then very far down after that pit, small hands picket. Yeah. You don't um, like picket. Is that right? Yeah. I, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that, but go for it. Uh, go right now. Tell me what, tell me what's going on. See, the thing is, I don't like looking at a player and seeing one year of production, right? I mean, he had, let's be honest, it was a very, very, very impressive year last year. Um, but what he had the years prior, so it took him five years to get there, right? So he played four years before that, finally got to his fifth year, had some really good players that are surrounding him. And he probably has like, the, the Pittsburgh offense has four or five weapons that are going to be NFL players over the over the coming years um especially that wide receiver addison uh in pittsburgh but before that he had let's see if i have this right uh three years prior he had about 13 touchdowns and nine interceptions uh all three of those years um so you know i'm not saying he's a one-year wonder but i'm not wanting to put my franchise's first round draft capital uh into a guy whose years prior uh had 13 touchdowns nine interceptions that ratio is not very pretty to look at. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it was not good. I mean, he topped out at 13 total touchdowns. Exactly. So, I mean, uh, touchdown passes uh, in any single year is junior and senior year. Not good at all. So, and you're right. It was a nearly equal touchdown to interception ratio. Yeah, he had one magical season. Not enough for me early in a, in a, in a super flex draft. And I think he's going to be that sort of uh, – you know, the, the, the Trojan horse, he's going to be the the player that, you know, your league mates get to draft and pushes another player down to you. And you can take Ritter, Howell or Corral, you know, early second or whatever, you know, in your rookie draft. So 
yeah, I, I, I agree that uh, Pickett is certainly not ahead of those guys uh, by any shot, but even if he gets drafted ahead of them, I don't know that I'm going to be looking to push him way up the board either. Yeah, I I just see him as a, you know, I guess he kind of has a high floor, but not really. I mean, the thing is, a franchise could draft him and then realize after this year that they still need to find a quarterback. You yes. know, that, that's the kind of player I think he is. And at least if that's the situation with one of these other guys, they have the innate uh, rushing capability to at least get you some points. You know, with, with Kenny Pickett, I mean, he had like 200 rushing yards on average per year. And I just don't know if that's enough upside there for him to save your team uh, if he just totally flops, which I think there's a high probability for a good majority of these guys to end up flopping. So I'd rather I'd rather push my chips on on a guy like Ritter or uh, even Howell. You know, I, I, I really like Howell uh, in terms of as much as I can like a quarterback in this draft, because at least you saw that he put up 800 rushing yards last year, um, you know, and has that ability to you know, save the situation if it doesn't end up being good on the passing side of things. Yeah. I think all these guys are like, um, they're just meh, right? Right. You know, and, and while Malik Willis has this, you know, Uber ceiling, it's still not very encouraging. So at the end of the day, it's a really ugly quarterback class that I think the NFL may very well show us just how bad it is based off of some of the the whispers from, you know, from the draft, but we'll see. And I do think there'll be, you know, Michael Duncan mentioned it on our NFL draft pod last week. And of course I joked with him, but he, he was right. And in, in that, you know, that, that fifth year option, there may be some guys, Matt Corral is actually invited and attending the draft. So I think he thinks he's going first round. Um, you know, Kenny Pickett turned down the invita- invitation uh, Malik Willis is expected to go round one. I would think Sam Howell is a, is a complete X factor, but Hey, he could find, he could be like a, a Jalen hurts type where he finds some fertile soil early in the second round. And then also provides you great value by being able to draft him, you know, mid to late second round in your rookie draft, which would be great. Great time to take a shot on a guy like Sam Howell, especially when he's yours and my uh, quarterback two in this class. Yeah. I mean, I don't pretend to be like this super QB guru. I mean, people get paid millions of dollars in these organizations and miss on quarterbacks every single year, you know? So I don't want to pretend like I am this all-knowing quarterback uh, knower of wisdom, Uh, but I'm very confused why Sam Howell isn't in kind of the top quarterback discussion. I mean, all of his numbers are really solid. People are saying he had a down year last year, but I mean, he still had... Um, let me pull up his exact stats from last year. He still had 24 touchdowns, nine interceptions, and over 3,000 yards with 828 rushing yards. So, I mean, he was having to do a lot of that on his own uh, with a lot of his, uh, you know, talented was NFL or now NFL players leaving the organization. Yes. He, he at 19 years old, he had 3,600 yards, 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions. So, I I don't. I don't know what process these NFL teams go through, but when looking at kind of a whole body of work, I'm not sure why Sam Howell isn't in discussion for, you know, one of these early quarterback picks. I agree. Um, and who knows? It can all be a smoke screen and Pittsburgh ends up taking them at 20 and it's like, oh, they wanted Howell the whole way. So we'll see tomorrow just exactly where the NFL values these guys and whether or not everything that we're hearing was truth or, or, or fiction, right? So we'll find out. And that's, that's exciting enough, but I think we're both a kind of a hard fade on the, on the, on the position group as a whole and just sort of 
take your shots as they come. But we're going to certainly dissect this a bit more after the draft because draft capital matters big time, especially to quarterbacks, because they uh, they they may never get a shot to play if they're a second or third round pick. Whereas if they're early first, they're going to see the field, period. So that's why it matters so much, because even a Daniel Jones, when he's drafted in the top 10, is tethered to opportunity for three years now. In you know, so that's why it matters. So we're going to keep the exception. Well, <laughs> Jordan Love was was only drafted to light a fire under Aaron Rodgers. Savvy move by the Packers. I mean, just un, unreal banter by the Packers. Yeah, they're so so <laughs> smart. Chess versus checkers. That's all they're doing over there, guys. <laughs> Uh, let's move to the other position that, you know, we, we, we seldom know anything about because, you know, especially fr- from Blake's perspective as the director of analytics, analytics has a very hard time uh, spitting out who's going to be the next good tight end. Um, it, and, you know, I've done a pretty good job of it with the anatomy series. I know you, of course, uh, utilize that to some degree. And really, it's just big, fast, strong guys who, you know, kind of made some big plays in college. That's about all we know. And you just sort of want to be picking from that group because they're at least going to be utilized as, you know, seam stretchers, so to speak. Right. Uh, whereas a guy like Drew Sample is just always going to be a blocker, you know, f- in the flats. That's it. That's it's, you know, so, you know, you want a guy who can who can press the seam and and, and make plays like that. Uh, that's what led us to guys like Albert Okuibunum and George Kittle after day one and day two, uh, which was size speed. And so there's a few guys uh, in this class that I like. Uh, we talked a little bit pre-show, and believe it or not, we had the same guys up top. So tell the people where, where you're thinking there, and of course I'll just agree because we already know we agree. Yep, uh, Trey McBride at the top. Um, I don't think there's any question about him being the top tight end. Uh, Colorado State, they were an abysmal offense last year. They're going to be way way better this year with Nevada's uh, coach going over there. But even with the miserable offense, he still had a 34% target share last year with 1,100 yards. Um, so it, on 134 targets, my goodness. Uh, so I don't think there's any question there. Uh, Charlie Kolar, uh, number two on that list. Um, I, I, I see him going up on draft boards quite a bit now. Yeah. Um, I thought of him as a sleeper. I see a lot of people are starting to get in on him. Six foot seven, 250 pounds, running a four, six, seven. Yeah. So as you were talking about, I mean, he gets that draft capital. He's your big, fast uh, tight end who has good pass catching capability and, you know, is going to have that draft capital behind it. Yeah. Um, and, and, then- and, and, and Charlie Kolar, I think a lot of people didn't expect him to be that fast, which was right. why he wasn't, you know, talked <laughs> about that way. And yet Jalen Watermeyer, whew. Still running his forty, uh, yeah, you know, was was sort of projected to be more of an athlete than Kolar, but no, not so much, and that's why they're those those two, you know, projected draft spots are are starting to to switch. I, it's gonna be interesting to see what the hell the NFL does with Jalen Watermeyer. I mean, they they shouldn't even draft him, quite frankly, unless he like had a broken leg when he ran his forty. I, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think he's gonna be drafted, man. I, I think with and it wasn't just his forty time. It was everything. Every single athletic measurable was awful. Um, well, yeah, the, he has one of the worst. Uh, the RAS score yeah. uh, that he has one of the worst scores ever. Yep. Um, so it. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see him being drafted at all. I was playing around with some comps athletically of his, <laughs> and there was like no hits ever. It's like me. His athletic yeah. comp is me. Yes. <laughs> 
Yeah, but the, all those tight ends were all blocking tight ends who like served the purpose in the league, but none of them did anything ever. So no player has ever looked like him athletically and then been good in the NFL. So pour one out. But we look at, you know, the anatomy is very clearly. We see that the 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 best tight ends in the NFL are all basically sub 4-7 guys, 4-7-5 maybe, you know. Troutmans and Comets are right on that edge and, you know, they're not elite, but they're right there, right? So Generally, you want guys in the four, five, four, six, four, seven range. Um, you know, and the guy that I love that I think is getting a lot of buzz right now is Jelani Woods. He's mm-hmm. a monster. He's huge. Former wide receiver. Um, you know, transferred and then just dominated. You know, the two things I look at are, are size, speed. So you want a guy big enough to be able to stay on the field to block, and then uh, athletic enough to be able to be asked to to run seam routes, right? To to actually run downfield and and make big plays. Uh, the other thing is that you want to see a guy who's had some like yards per catch. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's funny that, you know, some of these like metrics, uh, you know, sound stupid, like yards per carry. It's like not really one you want to look at, you know, because it's a little bit uh, situation uh, induced yards per catch kind of feels that way. But ultimately, you know, I just look at some of the big play rate and stuff like that with these tight ends. And if they were asked to run downfield or if they were making guys miss and get downfield a la George Kittle, that sort of translates, you know, the broken tackle metrics for running backs translate, probably translates for tight ends too, who are able to, you know, cause even Gasicki, uh, who, you know, I've, I've flamethrowed a few times, but you know, he's a wide receiver, but he doesn't break a lot of tackles and therefore doesn't make a lot of big plays, despite the fact that he's one of the best athletes ever. So, you know, you do want to see, and he did not have a lot of big plays in college. Gasicki didn't. So that was kind of what I think holds him back. He's just not a big play player getting to it though. Jelani Woods made some big plays. Kolar made some big plays. Uh, the other guy that I really like is James Mitchell. Have you heard of this guy? I've not actually. So James Mitchell is didn't attend the um, the combine. I think he was hurt or something like that. But he's uh, he, he's out of Virginia Tech. He made a lot of big plays. Um, I don't know if you want to look him up. He's uh, he's he's quite a quite a a prospect and I think he'll be flying under the radar a little tiny bit but he's a 64250 uh he only ran a 47 oh, excuse me he did not run pardon me uh I'm looking at the wrong guy so but he was a he was a really uh big play player when he played he's coming out at 22 years old and uh you know I I think the the black box athleticism is what scares me a little bit but he's going to be a a free agent round 5 type of tight end and uh, might might be a might be a, a a late round target at tight end. Yeah, and it, kind of what you were mentioning earlier with these more efficiency stats when looking at uh, at least collegiate players. I don't look at it too much from the NFL because I think a lot of uh, success is predicated on volume and opportunity. But in the, but in college, it, I think that efficiency stats like yards per reception, yards per carry, and things like that actually tell a more true story about how good these players are based around their situation, especially relative to the rest of their team. So looking at tight ends, kind of what you were saying in their yards per reception, I think is a really good indication for, as you said, explosiveness and how good they can be. And they're not just, you know, button hook type players who are yeah. running five yards down the field, getting getting a catch and then getting a tackle. And that's why one of my uh, sleepers uh, that not a lot of people have been talking about is Grant Calcaterra. Uh, he was at Oklahoma uh, back in 2018, had a couple of concussions, and then pretty much 
decided he was going to step away from the game, uh, got some second evaluations, and then moved over to SMU. Uh, he actually has, in terms of athletic measurables, kind of what you're looking for, 88th percentile 40-yard dash, 81st percentile speed score, 73rd percentile agility score, and then yards per reception, although his target share wasn't as high as you'd like to see, uh, primarily because of those offenses, and they did have some good players on that team, but he had about you know 16 yards per reception over his first two years. And then it still was at, you know, 12.5 yards per reception his last year. Um, so he's a really solid player, in my opinion, who I think is going to be flying under the radar quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And the only, the only concern I have about a guy like that is his weight at six, four two forty. you know, is he a little too light to be a guy who's on the field a lot? Is he just a sort of situational player at the NFL level? You want these two way tight ends who, you know, can play on any down, uh, you know, we've we've seen the the sort of the, the one trick ponies and I'm not saying he is, by the way, I'm just saying that that's the red flag there. You want a guy who's going to play at the goal line, you know, so he can catch touchdowns. Right. Think about Pat Fryermuth just catching touchdowns every week. You'd be like, there's another one. Boom. You know, so um, those touchdowns matter. And they certainly that's what I mean. Look, Kyle Pitts went, uh, what, eleven hundred yards with one touchdown like that probably won't happen again. But it's not good, right? I mean, he had a quote-unquote disappointing season, even though he had like the most yards in uh, a rookie season for a tight end ever. So, you know, I mean, so there you go, right? So those tight ends can boo you to some production. But um, yeah, I would just look at size, speed, uh, and big playability, uh, and 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 we're finding him. So well, only, uh, only thing I would counter to that is he has the exact same height and weight as Trey McBride. So I know Trey McBride's going to be a little more of a uh, outside tight end, who's going to be playing a little more in the receiving position. But I mean, it you know, it it, it could be a red flag for him as well. I, I, these tight ends, there, there's going to be a few that are going to be draftable and are going to end up being good. So I wonder, I wonder how much Trey McBride I'm going to end up with. I don't think very much. I'm not sure. No. Like, you know, it's going to be very interesting. Like as to when I'm willing to sort of press the button for Trey McBride. Uh, obviously you know, draft capital and, and landing spot will play a bit of a role there. But, you know, I mean, we pretty much know he's going to be a second round pick and whoever picks him in the second round is probably gonna have a plan for him. I mean, unless he finds himself like in a really awkward situation, Atlanta or something, you know what I mean? Like, but right. that's not going to happen, you know? So, um, yeah. So I, but I wonder how soon I'm going to be willing to pull the trigger on him. And well, <laughs> here's why we're going to wide receivers. This is really where the, where we're, you know, meat and potatoes is. I mean, you and I both know that, you know, the quarterbacks are a crapshoot, as you point out. The tight ends are really, unless there's an elite one, you kind of want to just take shots late with athletic guys. So it's not like too much there. So I think that's kind of the strategy on both positions. But wide receiver and running back, yeah, that's where you have to make the right picks. So speaking of which, I released my pre-draft rankings. I'm sure you saw them today. What'd you what'd you think? Anything stick out to you, my friend? Uh, you, one of your lowest rated players is one of my favorites in this draft class, um, which is Wandale Robinson. So it, so that, that's the, that's the thing that stood out to me. Um, I actually really like your rankings, to be honest there. I I think they're, uh, much more reasonable than I I feel like towards this time of year, everyone gets a little hot takey with what they have and everyone kind of flips things all around. But, uh, I, I think yours had some really good process to them. Yeah, I you know with Wandale, I mean it doesn't just come to, for me it just comes down to, you know, size. Like it's right. just like I don't know, man. You know, he's 5'8. I'm 
You're right. I probably am now going to move him back up now that you say that, just because he's probably, I mean, I, let's put it this way. I mean, if we're talking about my, my rankings, he was number 19 wide receiver, 19 uh, behind Romeo Dobbs and even Justin Ross and Alec Pierce. I think I'll probably move him up uh, to probably right in that Calvin Austin spot, you know, him and Calvin Austin at 15. Um, but let's start at the top where we can really kind of talk about what we've got. You can talk about your model, which is one thing, but you don't just, you know, uh, you're not a slave to your model. You, you, you use that to help you figure out from year to year and from prospect to prospect, what the data is telling you. And then you make your own decision based off of all the other information. Right. right. So on that end, I had, I have a, I have a one, two, three tier of Garrett Wilson, Drake London, and Traylon Burks. And it's been, I've been moving them around uh, and, and shuffling them around. And, and I posted this uh, today with Garrett Wilson at the 1.01 of my wide receiver class. And it's the first time I've had him there all off season. So that just tells you, but Hey, if I'm, if I'm publishing this, if I'm making a pick, I just think he's the safest prospect on the board. Uh, any, any pushback on that idea? I mean, the th- and this is where I struggle with, right? And I don't know whether to keep moving Chris Olave up or Garrett Wilson down. Um, because a lot of the dialogue, there's a lot of people that have Garrett Wilson at that number one spot. Um, but Chris Olave is one month older than Garrett Wilson. I've gotten some, I tweeted about this earlier and I, I always get some pushback on it. Um, so Chris Olave is one month older than Garrett Wilson and outproduced Garrett Wilson two out of the three years that they were in school together um, in terms of yards per reception, yards, touchdowns. And I understand the the predicate that once Chris Olave has one year of experience, then, uh, then Garrett Wilson has zero years of experience, and then it keeps moving. So Olave will always have more years of experience uh, even, you know, and then there's this trajectory of what you're going to project going forward on that. But I don't see how that's a downgrade on Olave. And I don't know at that, like him having more experience while being a younger player. I just don't understand how that's a downgrade on the situation, but that takes me to Wilson where how can I have Wilson as my number one player when I'm sitting with Olave at like five or six, you know, and when, when, when I'm thinking that they're pretty equivalent in terms of prospects, even reception perception says that they're pretty equivalent from, you know, a route running perspective and their win percentage on routes. Um, So Garrett Wilson, uh, you know, there's, there's a part of me that, you know, I'm with you and I think he's going to be a really safe bet. And I think he's going to be good. I think there's a chance he's a top 10 draft pick tomorrow. Um, But at the end of the day, I can't bring myself to put him in that number one spot, knowing that I feel so similarly between him and Chris Olave. So who do you have at wide receiver one for you right now? Drake London is my wide receiver one. That just makes me want to put him there because I love Drake London. Tell me more. Why? Um, so a lot of things that I look at, I look at uh, age. So yards per team pass attempt is kind of the foundation of everything that I like to look at. And I like to look at it from kind of an average across their career. I look to adjust it for age. I like to adjust it for conference. And I like to adjust it for uh, almost like a teammate score on how good they are comparatively to their own team. Uh, then you want to look at the draft capital. Uh, I am not, I, I do watch film. I am not going to say that I'm very good at it, but I do trust other people's film grades to be much better than mine. So I do actually look at film scores on these guys. And holistically across the entire board, 
um, looking at the scores that I have, Drake London is an above 90th percentile in every category that I'm looking at. And he has the alpha prototypical uh, size. I'm not concerned about the speed that everyone is talking about because really it doesn't matter when yeah. he's able to just jump over people. Yeah, um, did you know he was a basketball player? Oh, um, what? <laughs> Wait, what? What is this new information? He played what? What sport? Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, everybody says it, but he did pull off. Didn't he do a, like a 540 dunk or something like that? Kid looks pretty amazing. Something um, stupid like that. Yeah, so, I saw it. But I'm with you. And in my, you know, I have him at number two. And in my little write up, my little blurb, if you will, I said possibly the best profile, meaning it is the best profile. I mean, you know, when you look at it, you're like, God, this profile is just so good. Uh, he's the youngest uh, player too. He's only, he's not even 21 years old yet. He produced uh, playing alongside Michael Pittman and Amon Ra in his freshman year, uh, which is huge. I mean, he was really, um, you know, productive in year one. So I'm with you, man. And he had Keaton Slovis throwing him the ball. I mean, if you can produce with that guy throwing you the football, I mean, you're probably a pretty good player. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his, his true freshman year, eight games, you know, 567 yards and five touchdowns. And, you know, the, the season that, you know, I mean, first of all, he, he had 500 yards in only six games in the COVID season. So that was almost 100 yards uh, per game. And then only eight games played. And he had in eight games, 88 catches, almost 1100 yards. So, I mean, it's just, I mean, he was absolutely dominating as a junior and then got hurt. So he was just, he's just been really, really good. I'm with you. I'm putting him back up there, man. I just, <laughs> it, it's so hard. I, but We're back. Do you, do you kind of agree with this sort of tier or do you have it tiered differently than I, than I've mentioned because you have Olave so close to Garrett Wilson, I'm guessing you think that I should have it different yeah i mean the, the thing is so i mean kind of looking at the tiers I, I think drake london is just kind of at the top there um i have really come around on jameson williams uh i'm very excited about him as an nfl player a lot of the film guys really like him and i i mean i just love his explosive capabilities so he's kind of at that two spot for him and Traylon burks are kind of in that two three or that that second tier for me um, and, but I don't know if I'm really feeling the most confident about them, but right. I do feel like their upside outweighs their downside. Uh, so I, that's kind of my really high upside tier that I have. And then after that, it's kind of my safe tier after that, where you have your, uh, Garrett Wilson's, your Chris Olave's, your George Pickens, your Sky Moore's, you know, that, that group where it's like these, these players, I don't know if they're going to be like top end wide receivers in the NFL, but they're going to be pretty damn safe and you're going to get a good few years of production out of them. Yeah. I think I, I think I feel you there. Like, you know, it's funny because, you know, if you're picking early in the first round, you do want to take a safe pick, but you also want to swing at ceiling. So I, I get it. But like, yeah, if you put uh, Drake London, Traylon Burks and Jamison Williams, one, two, three, and say, because ceiling, I'm with you. And right. then if you say the next four guys, because floor, I get that. You know, it's funny because you just try and break these things down. And I always say, you know, your rankings are wrong. You just got to figure out how. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or why. They're wrong. All of our rankings are incorrect. We just got to figure out why. Um, yeah. yeah, right. So. Is, and, and that's the thing is, you know, people are looking at rankings from a different uh, lens. 
on yeah. everyone's, you know, like you were talking about earlier. I mean, you, you think you think Garrett Wilson is the, you know, one of the safest picks in the draft. And that's that's how some people are looking at it when they're ranking these prospects is who who are you guaranteeing are going to get you points when you draft them? Yeah. But I I play to win. And yeah. so when I'm looking at it, I want to have the most upside um, you know, when looking at these prospects. So sure. that, that's kind of the way that I'm evaluating. Drake London, I mean, Traylon Burks may have higher upside, but I also see Drake London. I mean, I, I don't see him having a floor, you know, as nearly as low as Traylon Burks in this situation. So that that's kind of what I'm looking for up there at the top. Yeah, agreed. I mean, we've been hurt before, haven't we, Blake? I mean, you know, Nikhil Harry's and all sorts of players. I mean, you know, even Jalen Ragers. I mean, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, Terrace Marshalls. And uh, there's been some swings and misses, uh, you know, in the top five, 10 wide receivers, sometimes as high as, you know, wide receiver one, two, three. So, yeah, we've got to be careful. We're trying to avoid those sort of pitfalls. But at the same time, you can't just just uh, draft for safety. I'm with you hundred percent. And yeah. that's why I struggle with it because, you know, I sort of see range of outcomes and I like what I see in Traylon Burks and um, uh, Drake London when I look up, but when I look down, I'm like, Oh, there's Garrett Wilson, just Calvin Ridleying his way to, you know, the NFL draft. Like he's going to be a top 10 or 15 pick, probably the first or second wide receiver off the board. He's, you know, roundly appreciated by NFL and, you know, and analysts and film and everybody. It's like, what could go wrong? It's like, of course, I know there's still a possibility, but it feels like he's just a can't miss prospect, but I don't get as excited about him. It, it's it's 100% true. So, yeah. uh, you know, I did put, uh, you know, I kind of did it because that was my top three. And then my next tier is, you know, the Jamison Williams, Pickens, Olave, and Sky Moore. And just to fuck with people a bit, I put Sky Moore at four. I don't disagree with my take but it's not a strong one it's not like oh he's definitely four over those other three guys it's like that's a that's a tier for me and you know i mean sky Moore. when you comp him to other uh you know group of five players who have come out early it's like it, it's deontay johnson uh Devontae adams and like uh Cortland sutton or something like that it's like everybody who who's ever done what he's doing has been good it's not to say that he is but the NFL obviously loves him. He's getting, you know, uh, top 40 uh, buzz. Uh, he was told to come out early. He's been really dynamic. He can play in the slot or outside. Uh, what not to like about Sky Moore? And do you think I'm a little little too aggressive with my uh, wide receiver four positioning of him? No, I, I actually like Sky Moore quite a bit. Uh, he is here to right the wrongs of Corey Davis yeah. um, of uh, Western Michigan. The only thing that I do have concern about is the the Mac, uh, some Maction conference. It's just a giant clusterfuck. Yeah. So it, it all the stats that come, it's like Big Twelve offenses, right? Like it's just everyone's stat padding over there. Um, I, I think you know from a lot of the film people that I listen to, they love Sky more. I mean, he's smaller, but he's really good at contested catches. Um, his profile is amazing. Uh, you know, he's above. 80th percentile of everything that I'm looking at. There's talk about him getting late first round draft capital. Um, I, I think he has the foundation of everything you really need for, you know, a really solid floor play. I don't know if I really see the upside to be like an elite wide receiver coming in, coming out of this class. But the, the only thing that I'm scared about is that Maction, uh, the, the conference stat padding uh, that comes along with playing at Western Michigan. 
Yeah, he's got a he's he's somewhere between like Golden Tate, DJ Moore. I don't know that he's as big and thick as DJ Moore, so I don't think he's there. But he's somewhere in the Golden Tate, Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore mold. Uh, what what do you think of what I just said there? Yeah, I on, honestly, Golden Tate is probably the most popular comp yeah. that I see for him. And if he ends up as Golden Tate, then you celebrate every you know every sky more that you pick in your drafts. Because yeah. um, I, I think that's kind of a you know ceiling type of player for him, which shows you kind of you know how I'm looking at the, the these type of guys. Is I, I see him as a really solid floor. I see Golden Tate as like his ceiling for it. But I mean. He, he's been really good. I he last year twelve hundred yards, thirty six percent target share, fourteen yards per reception. I mean, it's just really solid across the board. So yeah, uh, I I think he's going to be better than Corey Davis potentially was in the NFL. Um, it, you know, and that's kind of what I I like to think of him as the one who's writing his wrongs at Western Michigan because I'm still terrified of drafting Mac players. Um, but I. I probably won't end up with a lot of Sky more because I think people are drafting him way early than I'd want to in rookie drafts. Uh, but I do think he's a really solid player. Yeah, he reminds me a little of Elijah Moore from last year's draft class too. And I think you'll be able to get him at that same sort of spot, which is early second. Um, you know, again, with the quarterbacks sort of depending upon where they go, of course. I mean, right. you know, last year we had the five sure bet quarterbacks. And what I mean by sure bet is they were sure to go in your top 10 picks in your rookie draft. Um, this year it could be a little bit more irregular. So you could see some, some quarterbacks pushed out, uh, into that second round, but you know, we'll see about that. But, um, but yeah, so are, I think, you taking, I think, are you taking sky more? Uh, so you're on the clock in a rookie draft. Yeah. You're taking sky more over George Pickens. It's close. Those two are close. Probably not Olave, by the way. I did rank him ahead of Olave just for fun, but yeah, yeah I don't think so. I don't think I can take him ahead of Olave truly. I mean, really, I, I don't think I can do that, but, um, but to rank them there for fun for Twitter, fuck yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, Twitter yeah. can have that that ranking. They'll they'll love it. And 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 the best part about it is if Sky Moore sucks, you're like, remember when this fucking idiot? Had, you know, so it's all there for for. Oh, you for- know, people are going to be searching later down uh, the road, and they yeah. will find you. Yeah, I can't wait. So it's fun. I don't give a shit. You know, I really don't. The, the best part about me is I don't give a shit. So that's the fucking best part. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I think that's about right. But yeah, I think Pickens and him, let's talk about Pickens because Pickens, I think, has the higher ceiling clearly out of Sky Moore uh, and George Pickens, but Pickens definitely has that bust floor, doesn't he? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I think this is the widest range of outcomes. I think a player, if any player in this draft, um, you could say it's Traylon Burks. I definitely think it's George Pickens. Um, there was something that I, I went through kind of a uh, a project where I looked at freshman year stats of top 12 players. So people or wide receivers who have hit top 12 fantasy seasons in the NFL. And I averaged all of their freshman stats across the board. Um, George Pickens in his freshman year broke every single one of those stats. So he, he was better than ever, like the average of all top 12 wide receiver players ever in their freshman year. Yep. Um, so his freshman, and, but that's not the concern, right? That's the reason he's not a top three pick in the NFL draft is because everything that happened thereafter, his attitude. Um, so, I mean, he has the foundation to be a really, really good wide receiver, but he also has the floor to be drafted in the mid second round because of his antics and never see a football field because he punches his coach. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he he smells a little bit like Brian Edwards a bit, you know, where it's like, you know, the the we all love him, but I think he's going to get much better draft capital. Um, it sounds like he's starting to, you know, again, I think that's the key, right? Like if he go, but the thing is, if he does get that draft capital, he's going to be very expensive in, in rookie drafts too. So you're going to have to make a more difficult decision on him. But uh, like I was going to say, if he goes to like Kansas city or, or uh, green Bay late first. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, just for clarification, I think that that'll be the case with pretty much any player. He yeah, gets drafted true. by the chiefs or the Packers and, that I, I typically stay away from those type of players. I, I like my rankings based on the foundation of the individual rather than the situation for the most part. Um, so if, you know, George Pickens gets drafted by one of these teams and he's starting going like the top five, I will be a hundred percent out. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I, right. I love him as a prospect. I think he's going to be really good. I will take him at the end of the first round right now with yep. all of my picks that I have. But the minute he starts getting into that top five, because of the situation he's drafted in, I'm, I'm going to be out at that point. Yeah, No, I get it, man. I, I totally agree. And it's like, that's why I say they're sort of in that tier. Like if you told me George Pickens was wide receiver four for you, I'd be like, Oh yeah, fine. I, as a matter of fact, like literally before I published those rankings, I was like, ah, eh, I was literally moving them around, like literally moving them around. I was like, nah, fuck it. Sky Moore's fun. Let's put him there. Like it's literally that like they're to me, they're all very, very close. They're all going to get that late first, early second. And I just don't know, man. I mean, I wish I could say, oh, I, I know what's going to happen. But I think you're looking at range of outcomes with these guys. And I think if you're a team, you know, picking in the late first and you want to just hit like a home run, I would definitely be fucking swinging for George Pickens because he could be like an alpha, you know, top 15 wide receiver in the league. That's that's in his range of outcomes where Sky Moore, I'm kind of with you. I don't think that's really who he is. So, yeah, I, I think if you're just if you're just ranking on upside, Pickens is like the wide receiver three in this class i think right and that and that's what people are kind of thinking about christian watson too i don't see that i i i think pickens is a way better prospect than christian watson Just Agreed. Kind of, I, i'm always hesitant about these players that come out of nowhere if yeah. i have no clue who you are before like the combine and then all of a sudden you blow up and then you become you know a first round pick i'm i'm out yeah, I, dubious. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just not something for me. So, uh, you know, I, I think George Pickens more highly than, you know, in terms of what he can become much bigger than Sky Moore and Christian Watson on that front. Uh, so if he ends up going to one of those good teams, as long as he's not, you know, jumping into that top five, I'm going to be pretty excited about, you know. Yeah, what I kind of I kind of have uh, George Pickens in, that, in, a, in a tier well above uh, Christian Watson. Yes, so yeah, I've got the the that 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 tier well ahead of that next tier, and and for me the the sort of hinge point on that uh, going from that George Pickens tier, Olave, etc., to that next tier is Jahan Dotson, who I have at eight, sort of the lone man in his own tier. I feel like he's the next guy for sure after that, and he's definitely ahead of the the guys to follow. Um, w- before we get to the Christian Watson tier. What do you think of Jahan Dotson? Do you agree with me that he's that sort of hinge point uh, of that tier? I think he's yes, but not because I actually believe in him as the player. I think it's going to be much more of a draft capital thing. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to go in the first round. I don't necessarily love his profile per se. I think he's small. I think he's fast. And I think he's going to have a role in the NFL. His, uh, his numbers across what I'm looking at in terms of like age-adjusted uh conference average uh adjusting for team ability it's only around the 50th percentile of prospects that i look at 
Um, and then, you know, him being a later declare uh, and not necessarily, you know, in, a younger player. I don't know his exact age. I'm going to look that up right now. But it, he's tw- he's 22 right now. So just okay. turned So that's, that's not, not too, too that's not too bad in terms of age. Yeah, he just turned 22 as well. So that's one of the things. I know a lot of people love the early declare. Um, but I, I think primarily the reason why is because they're good at a younger age. I don't yeah. think it's just because early declare equals good, you know, and right. late declare equals bad. It So it's kind of an age thing more for me than a de- like a early declare type of thing. Um, but for Jahan Dotson, his numbers just didn't really stand out for me when I was evaluating him. Um, I, I, as I said, he's going to probably go early. He's probably going to end up being a pretty decent NFL player. I just don't see him being anything other than like a pretty good field stretcher. Uh, player profiler has his best comparable is Tyler Lockett. Yeah. Um, I mean, if he can hit Tyler Lockett levels, then you, that's like his absolute ceiling for me. Yeah. It's a huge hit for him and he is fast. And you know, the, the of course the, 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 the comment that gets shared with him all the time is arrogant hands, which it, you know what he he's, I'll take the film watchers, uh, you know, um, word for it. Uh, yeah, he's got great hands. Great. So, you know, and he's, he's big enough. Like I was afraid he was going to be five, nine, five, 10. He's five eleven. Like he's not 170. He's 180. Like, so I think he's got a little bit of a frame to grow into, which, which that's kind of the thing for me. That's why height matters. Just because I, I feel like if they're a little bit taller, they've got a frame to grow into. Uh, you see it, you know, more, you know, visually with basketball players, but like, I'll just use, you know, a Boston guy, uh, Jason Tatum, you know, when he entered the league, he was rail thin. And then you sort of saw the wide shoulders and you're like, Oh, he can get bigger. Now he's a fucking beast, you know? And it's like the same thing with some of these wide receivers, you know, it's like, do they have a frame where they can grow into it and, and become a little bit of, of a stronger player in the NFL or they're asked to do more things than just stretch the field. And I do believe Jahan with his hands and his frame, does have the ability to sort of grow as a player. And if he does get, like you say, you know, that late first round cap where he like finds himself on the chiefs or something like that, yeah, it's going to be hard to pass him up, uh, you know, at his current ADP. Um, the next guys I've got are, are definitely for me, a step down. Uh, you mentioned Christian Watson. Uh, I felt obligated to rank him uh, where I did, but you could, you could move him down further for me and I'd be fine because that, that next uh, sort of group is for me, it goes Jalen Tolbert, who I really like, who I, it's probably a, a, an infatuation that I should just, it's the, you know, it's the, it's the girl you shouldn't get involved with. That's Jalen Tolbert. I, I, should just, I love Jalen Tolbert. Fuck. We're, I am so sorry about this. My listeners like, so sorry. Don't do this. Go ahead. Tell them why. Um, so, I mean, I, I know small school, right? Yeah, but, but his production was really, really, really good. Everything that I look at, I, I know that we're adjusting for teammates who are going to be like accountants and stuff like later down the line when we're looking at like team adjusted and I know he's a little older at 23 years old. But I mean, you got to be kidding me. He had 1500 yards on 18 yards per reception. Yeah. Last year, 136, 182 catches, 136 targets at 18 yards per reception. He, he was pretty much unstoppable on that team. Yes. Um, and, and he did pretty much the same thing the year before that in 2020. He had yep. 1,100 yards on 17 yards per reception and 114 targets. Yep. I mean, he, he's been nothing but a beast the last two years. Yep. And I think he's probably going to get like third round draft capital. He's probably going to go to a pretty decent situation. 
you know, I mean, I, I don't want to speculate that, but I imagine a lot of the uh, teams that are bad aren't going to look for older wide receivers that played for small schools. Um, typically, you see that out of like the better teams uh, who are willing to kind of take that shot. Um, but I, I mean, his numbers across the board are fantastic. 34% uh, college target share, which is a 95th percentile, uh, over 50% college dominator. I mean, his no, you, you can't look at his numbers in terms of percentiles of prospects and not be impressed with him. Yeah. And while he played in a small school in a, in a, in a, you know, meek conference, he also did produce as a sophomore. And when he produced as a sophomore, it was over 500 yards receiving, but also almost 20 yards a catch, six touchdowns. So he showed that big play ability right off the bat as soon as he started producing. And then, you know, and then from, I mean, he's literally over almost 18 yards a catch his career. So he's a, even though he was, huge volume, you know, 1,500 and 1,100 yards in his last two seasons. He still held that, you know, 18, 17 and a half yards per catch, which is really, really impressive. And look, if you want a a guy at a small school, at least he dominated, right? At least he did what you're like, well, he should have. Well, he did. And so he's also got that frame. He's 6'1", 195. He ran a 4'4'9". There's just a lot to like, as you point out. Um, yeah, uh, just, and, I'm and, excited. And the thing is, like, you can compare him to Jameson Williams, right? I know Jameson Williams is a couple years younger. He played at a bigger school. But, I mean, that's what we love about Jameson Williams, right? I mean, he had 17 yards per reception. He has that big play capability. But it, besides his last year, you know, where he had that 1,500 yards, he never had before that a season close to what Jalen Tolbert had. So, I mean, I'm not saying that they're, they should be right next to each other in, in the rankings because I love Jameson Williams you know, as we talked about before, but when you're looking at the things that you like in prospects, you need to, you know, look at those type of things comparatively to one another. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a big fan. I think he's definitely a, a, a guy I really like. So I'm glad to hear that you agree because sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm unsure a little bit, you know? (laughs) Um, and, and then and then two guys I have back-to-back is like Khalil Shakir and Christian Watson. And, you know, you said it with, with Christian Watson. He's He feels like the, you know, the the fast guy that, you know, we all get excited about. And then we're like, oh, yeah, he's awful. It's just not even a thing. It's like, you know, I, I've done this with Justin Watson. And, you know, I've, I've fell for this before. You know, I've done this many a time. So uh, I feel triggered. I mean, you know, I've heard a lot, a lot of people compare him to Denzel Mims. I was way too high on Denzel Mims. Uh, so you know, maybe I'm learning my lesson or, or is Christian Watson just going to be good? Who would you take Khalil Shakir or Christian Watson? If you were drafted today, where are they, where are they drafted or if, where are they drafted at tomorrow? Is Christian, are they, cause I think if, Christian Watson gets drafted early second round and Khalil Shakir is probably mid third is what I I'll probably out. pick uh, Shakir then. Yeah. Um, I, as we talked about before, it just, Christian Watson terrifies me is, you know, a hyper athletic guy who randomly came out of nowhere, who has some good, not great stats. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just terrifying all around. It, it, it seems like a trap. Um, and Khalil Shakir, it, it does so, like a trap. He, he does not seem like a trap. He seems no. like, like, like a sky more level of safe Agreed. for a player. Um, I mean, I think that the comp that most people are saying on him is Golden Tate, and I think that's perfect for him. I think he's going to be just a really solid, you know, slot, gets, you know, a good amount of targets, uh, low yards per reception, but I think in a PPR league, you're going to be really happy with him. 
Um, I, I think that if you're Christian Watson could literally not ever step on a field and be productive like Denzel Mims. And I think Khalil Shakir is going to be just a very solid player on the NFL field for a team. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny because I'm wanting to, I'm looking at my rankings, wanting to move Christian Watson down a couple spots behind a couple of the next guys. And I guess what I'm thinking about here right now too, is like, there's a point where in, in these rookie drafts where I just want to stop drafting wide receivers and start drafting running backs. Right. Yeah. I don't want to take these late wide receivers who are going to amount to jack shit. I want to draft running backs who might get a chance to be the lead ball carrier for even two or three games, uh, you know, in, in, in the first year. You know, we, the, we, we've been yeah. doing a few mock drafts now, and my strategy is always wide receiver in round one, running backs every round after that. Right. Yeah. Just for that exact reason. And I mean, Christian Watson. So the three players that I kind of have in this tier that I really hate and I'll never draft any of them is Christian Watson, David Bell, John Mechie. Huh. The three players that I am just, I'm, I'm totally out of. I don't care where their ADP is. I'm, I'm just not going to be drafting any, any of them. So. so David Bell, you know, athletically fell on his face. I have to imagine that your process before that he, he must have looked pretty good in in your model no or i mean so let me let me pull up the numbers here yes athletically he really did fall on his face yes um but like his target share wasn't anything i mean he his numbers were good because he had like 134 targets purdue was a really heavy passing team like his target share was still in like the low 20 percent uh, for his overall target share, he had a, I mean, his yards per reception is down at like the 20th percentile. Yeah. Um, so yeah. When, it, when it comes to that, I mean, even though he put up really good, like just counting stats overall, yeah. like his numbers, when you really start to dive into them are just very mediocre. Yeah. And then add that on top of the, I mean, there's been some stuff coming out on scouts who are saying that even though he like didn't run fast, like what they're seeing on the field is also not fast. Right. What they're seeing on the field is very slow. He can't make cuts. He's not very quick to get out of routes. Um, there's just a, there's too much there uh, for me to, you know, want to draft David Bell. Yeah, and if, if David Bell slips into day three, we might as well just pour all the dirt on him, correct? Oh, 100%. And I'm yeah. worried about that right now for him. You know, there, there's a lot of people that say he's going to be like a second, third round pick going into the combine. I mean, he could be like a fourth round pick, fourth, fifth round pick based on everything that's kind of happened. Absolutely. Um, and it, it's so funny when, when you get these type of athletic measurables, everyone still wants to jump to, well, he's Anquan Bolden. Well, he's, <laughs> he's this Hall of Fame player who wasn't very athletic and – you know, they everyone does it for every player to try and justify their biases. Yeah, we, uh, we talk about we talk about the wide receiver position, and you don't need. You know, I'm not looking at 40 times going who is the fastest guy. I want him. I'm looking at the guys who can't. You know, who who just were bottom of the barrel athleticism, and also didn't have any big plays. It's like yeah. you know, you didn't make big plays, and now it turns out you're really slow. It's like, well. Maybe that's the fucking problem, homie. You right. Know what I mean? Exa- exactly. When you when you have a low yard per reception down at essentially twelve point five yards per reception in the twentieth percentile of prospects, plus you're very slow. It, as you said, that that's exactly what you need to be looking for for a huge red flag for what they can become. Yeah, David Bell had the lowest um, uh, career um, explosive 
play per target rate, which actually was a pretty cool uh, metric that was unearthed or at least shared with me uh, by Dwayne McFarlane. I, I love Dwayne. He does a pod with uh, Ian Harditz uh, during oh, the season. Yeah, I love those dudes. I love that pod. They do the usage pod every every. I've I've shouted them out on this pod before and forgot his name. So today I wasn't gonna wasn't gonna make that mistake. But he he shared a a little uh, a little chart with all the the you know it was and like I said it was career explosive play per target rate and actually he was second lowest. Uh, Kyle Phillips, who we'll maybe get to, uh, was lowest. But the, the two guys that were there were David Bell and your boy Wandale Robinson. So. You know, I was actually surprised to see Wandale there, but now that he also is slow, kind of makes sense. You know, uh, Wandale was very productive, but I wonder if he's just more of a gadget player. But David Bell, super, super low um, on on that on that uh, uh, on that metric, which just sort of makes all the sense in the world. Uh, you were said you were out on John Mechie too. I don't know what to make of Mechie. You know, played with a lot of other great players, and you know, when you watch the film, I just think he might be one of those like you know, just, I don't know how to, you know, he, he'll be on the football field in the NFL. Does that make sense? Like he'll be, he'll yeah. be, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's fine. You know, like, but he's, he, he's probably going to get drafted in the NFL draft way earlier than I'd want him to be. He's probably going to move up quite a bit in rookie drafts because of that. He's going to be that surprise, like second round wide receiver that's taken, you know, and a guy, I mean, on 2021, he had 1,100 yards. But that was on, like, under 12 yards per reception on 133 targets, all volume. Um, so, you know, th- those type of players that, you know, have high volume but low efficiency in college um, are ones that are kind of red flags for me. Um, on that end, he had a really low college dominator at 20%. Um, not as fast as you'd hope at someone who's under 200 pounds and under six foot. Um, so I think he's going to be just a very average player. Um, I think yeah. the player profiler comp for him is perfect in Russell Gage where yeah. you never want to draft Russell Gage, but you know, he's fine. <laughs> you know, if, you, yeah. if you're, if you're rolling out Russell Gage, you're like, I could probably be doing better right now which is why right around here, I'm going to just take some late shots, uh, you know, but I'm really not going to be looking to, to draft wide receivers in this range. Cause it, you know, it's like after Khalil Shakir and Jalen Tolbert, who we both just said we really like, it's like David Bell, John Mechie, a guy I do like in Bo Melton, but I think he'll be available later too. Uh, Calvin Austin, really small, really fast, really old. Uh, Alec Pierce uh, feels a lot like Christian Watson a little bit where it's like a little bit of that, uh, you know, uh, he, he don't fall for it. Right. And so one of the players that I actually really like that I will be interested in taking towards the last rounds is Kevin Austin out of Notre Dame. Um, just a horrendous passing offense that team had. Um, but I mean, his athletic measurables, as we, as we've talked about before, athletic measurables are not the be all end all, but people obviously care about them. If Christian Watson's starting to go in the first round and this guy has above 85th percentile athleticism across every single thing, 40 yard speed score, burst score, agility score. And he has that really high yards per reception that we're looking for. Um, I mean, on a terrible offense, uh, you know, he had still eight, over 850 yards on nine, essentially 19 yards per reception for him. Um, so in terms of like upside of what he could be, um, he could be a really explosive type of player in the NFL. And if you're getting him in like the fourth round and he, you know, becomes a, 
big field stretcher that's, you know, getting targeted uh, down the field, I think that's a win for, you know, these players in this tier or the later tier that you're trying to draft. Yeah, absolutely. Before we move to running back, I do want to mention one player that I feel like is, um, I'm not sure people are seeing him clearly, which is Justin Ross. Uh, Justin Ross is, I feel like I, I have him where I have him I, wide receiver 17 because of injury. Like, I don't know, man, this kid scares the bejesus out of me in terms of being able to draft him confidently. So like if he's there at some point in a rookie draft, I'm like, Oh, all right, Justin Ross, like, like with a literally, you know, no risk pick, I'll fucking maybe pick him and see what happens. But with any sort of high leverage pick, I just can't push the button on Justin Ross when there's other players there, or if I could trade that pick for more value, it just, I can't do it. Yeah, man. One of my favorite people in the space, Jetpack Galileo, really yeah. loves him and his numbers really but like he says that he could have one of the highest upsides out True. of any player in this draft um I, I'm, I'm kind of with you i don't really know what to make of him i mean if you love george pickens then you should probably also love justin ross for that justification of how good their freshman years were yeah um but i don't know man the injury uh the production after that he's kind of a red flag for me um, I, I guess it just kind of depends on where he's going at this point and where he gets drafted at. Uh, it's going to be kind of that tiebreaker for me, but I see him going in like the third round of rookie drafts from time to time. And, you know, depending on the situation, if he's still there and he's drafted in the, you know, late second round, it, it may be a why not situation for me in some of yeah. these instances. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, he is a why not player. That's the only good reason. I mean, he is, look, he was my wide receiver one coming out of that 2018 freshman year. I was like, this is, you know, the 2020 class, which would have been last year, which is when he should have come out, uh, was the Justin Ross class for me because he put up a thousand yards at almost 22 yards a catch and nine touchdowns as a true freshman. So fucking a and that was on a clemson team that was pretty good so yeah he was just dominant and he was pretty good as a sophomore not as good but pretty good and then he got hurt and so and then he got basically told he was never going to play again came back this year and was respectable but with all those red flags weighing him down he ran like a four six five forty at his pro day um that's not great he did not show very much burst uh, in terms of his jumping drills uh, I just don't know if he's athletic enough. I, I just don't know, man. If he's yeah. not healthy enough, if he's not athletic enough, if he's not drafted highly enough, I don't exactly know what we're trying to do here. You know what I mean? Yeah, he just kind of becomes a big body go up and catch it type of player. Without like, draft um, capital. So therefore not tethered to opportunity. Like He's like fourth round Mike Williams. Like if Mike Williams yeah. was drafted in the fourth round, which probably would have been he probably would have flamed out in two years. So right. that, yeah, <laughs> it's probably where it's going. Yeah, I mean, and, and with with a you know degenerative neck issue and other injury issues. Yeah, it's just it's a problem. And and trust me, nobody wants Justin Ross to 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 hit more than me. Just because I, you know, I mean, you'd love to see the kid turn it around. But you know, with with a high leverage rookie pick, no, thank you. With like I said, when you're just feeling like oh he's there and I can just take him. Sure, go right ahead. There's a there's a tremendous more amount of upside with him at his ADP than almost any other player at that position. So if you're just swinging from the heels, go right ahead and pick Justin Ross and watch him fucking flame out, just like you said. 
you know, and, that, and that's what the that's what this wide receiver class is. It's basically, you know, we kind of agree, I guess. There's probably like a a top whatever it is, four, five, six, seven, and then maybe a, a handful of other guys. It brings us to maybe ten or twelve wide receivers we'd consider. You know, kind of a couple of top tiers there. But the running back class is kind of completely different as we move to the running backs, where we've got this one player, maybe two, and then just a bunch of other dudes. Am I right? Yeah, but I love these other dudes. I think they're really exciting to me. A lot of these players, you know, when you get these later round draft picks that have, you know, three down uh, body types and prototypical size and good speed and some pretty good production. Yeah, it's it's really fun. You know, as I was mentioning before, take the wide receiver in the first round. Then after that, just load up on your favorite running backs that you have, uh, because I I think it's going to be really fun. Uh, for these players uh, that I really like in the draft uh, to come out and potentially be pretty good players for your team. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, you may have been like cheating by listening to this podcast, but every time I do a uh, a mock draft with you, you're always taking my fucking dudes, like Brian Kobach <laughs> and all these guys. I'm like, you know, what have you been listening or something? No, I know you. I know you would would not pick any anyone ever because I did. That's for sure. That's actually guaranteed. But it turns out that when I'm picking. You're either sniping me or I'm sniping. Excuse me. It turns out you're either sniping me or I'm sniping you. So sounds like we might be on the same page with a few of these guys. Who are some of the guys that that you that you kind of like, um, you know, in this class that maybe, especially at value. In other words, you're higher than than consensus on. Okay. Well, at first I was a little worried about this player's value, but now it's dropped significantly, uh, which is Rashad White. Yeah. Uh, Rashad White was going at like the 105 at one point uh, at the beginning of, you know, pre or post uh, combine. Um, yeah. Uh, but now I'm seeing him go like late second round and I will pick him there every single time. Uh, he actually came in in a better frame than I was hoping for because I think on their college profile, they were saying he was like 6'2", 210 or yeah, something. Yeah, 6'2", 200 or something like that. You're like, what? That doesn't work. Yeah. And it's just a tall, skinny guy running around there. Yeah. Um, but he came in at six foot two fifteen. I love that size for him. And yep. man, the numbers he put up, uh, you know, his last year and even the year before that, um, I'm trying to pull up exactly where I have him at. Um, but all of his numbers, I mean, he had like 2.8 yards per team attempt, which yes. is by, I mean, that is unreal in terms. I mean, that's a 99th percentile yards per team attempt in a single season. Um, and a lot of that is predicated on his pass catching. They had he had 43 receptions for 456 yards, a 16% target share as a college running back um, yeah. while having, uh, you know, 1000 yards rushing um, pretty good yards per carry at, you know, 60th percentile there. Um, yeah, 19% college target share is an, is a 99th percentile. Um, so I, I'm getting a little worried about his draft capital. He's going to get a lot of people are starting to say he's going to get into like that fifth round range potentially, which um, is crazy, but man, I mean, imagine Rashad white being drafted by like the chiefs in the fourth round or something like that. You know, it, you, I you mean, he's their, he's their best running back at that point. I mean, th- here's the thing I don't understand. Like, I don't, you know, I'm, this is the litmus test because any smart person in fantasy that I talk to, I, I, and look, I understand that the NFL drafts for different reasons than we do. I get that. They don't play in PPR leagues, right? Like I get that, but they do throw the football more and more and more. So you do need pass catching running backs who can play 
all down so that you don't give up your hand when you're like, well, we're definitely passing JD McKissick's in, you know? So I think a guy like Rashad white who can run up between the tackles. I mean, I don't know, man, maybe I'm just, I just don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but like, how can this guy not be a first, you know, top 75 pick in the NFL draft? I just don't get it. It, It's very weird. You know, as I said, the 2.8 yards per team attempt, he had, so one of the things is, you know, a lot of people look at dominator. I, I like to scale dominator versus like top, for running backs, I scale it versus what like top 24, uh, you know, players as, at the running back position that they've had a top 24 season in the NFL. Uh, so I divide the dominator by that score. And he, he was pretty much at that exact score. So his dominator was exactly with what you'd expect in a top 24 pick. He had a 106.3 weight adjusted speed score, which is a lot, or, you know, a, a lot of people look at speed score on how fast they are compared to how big they are. Uh, for these players. I'm with you, man. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that he played at community college and he's 23 years old already. Yes. That's the, that's the red flag he carries. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so, but other than that, I mean, a team can line him up in the slot. He's big enough to do that, to be, you know, play out wide, playing the slot. He, he can be utilized all over the fields and he's explosive enough to be a great weapon for a team. So it's very confusing why he's falling so far. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, he, uh, he was six and a half yards every carry, 12 yards every reception. I mean, he was seven and a half yards every time he touched the football in college. Yeah. Like, with 22 touchdowns on just 224 touches, like, or 275 touches, excuse me. So, whatever, like, just was so productive in those yeah. two seasons. Like, it is, you know, that's the thing with the with the 2020 season, the, the COVID-shortened season. Like, dude had four games. He was at 420 yards, 10 yards a a 10 yards a carry like he was over 100 yards per game and 10 yards every time he fucking touched it like just incredible he was almost 20 yards a catch in those four games so his sort of you know junior year was going really really well <laughs> and and you know that was it just four games that's all he had and then this year yeah he was pretty good I mean, 1,000 yards and 11 games at five and a half yards a carry 15 touchdowns 43 catches for almost 11, normally when you get that kind of volume, you're not going to see that kind of efficiency. As you point out, 2.8 yards uh, per team pass attempt, just unbelievable. So yeah, he was yeah. really, really great. Um, outside of Rashad White, because obviously this is the Rashad White fantasy uh, fan base, you know, <laughs> fan club uh, podcast award. But, you know, uh, outside of that, who are some other guys you like? So I I am a huge Keontae Ingram believer. Yeah. Uh, I, and I mean, primarily it's because he came in as, I, I was very worried about his size because at the senior bowl, he came in pretty small, but he came into the NFL draft at six foot, 221 pounds. I mean, that, that is prototypical three down size that you want to see for a running back. Um, and you know, he had a, re, he honestly, he had a pretty solid career. I mean, he had over 700 yards rushing and all all seasons. He started out as a really great prospect at Texas. People expected really big things from him. Uh, that ended up not coming to fruition. He went ahead and moved over to USC. And, you know, throughout his entire college career, he had almost, you know, 90 catches in his college career. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, he, he has a 70th percentile uh, or an 80th percentile speed score for, uh, you know, a player. So it, it's pretty simple for me this year. Um, the players in like the second, third round, I'm going to be getting prototypical size running backs that yeah. have a pass catching skill set and are big and fast, you know, and Keontae Ingram, he 
checks all those boxes. He's still under 23 years old. Yeah. Um, I, I think that where he's going, which is the third round, I think that's a steal for, you know, the type of play. I don't think he's going to become like the greatest running back in the NFL, but I think he has the opportunity to, you know, be a backup running back. You can see a running back getting hurt and him stepping up into a role and thriving in that role as a third round pick. And that's exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah, I, I, I had flirted with moving Keontae Ingram up further than I did. I have him at like wide res- uh, running back 10 or 11 or something like that. But yeah, I had him like at seven or eight. And I, I, that's the thing with that, like, all right, so I'll, I'll just kind of share with my the, the listeners my sort of running back rankings right now. I've got Brees Hall at one, of course. I mean, let's talk about Brees just briefly. Uh, he's not yet 21 years old. He ran a 4.39 at 270, uh, 217 pounds. That's a 97th percentile speed score. So he's big and fast. He checks really every box in terms of production for three years, uh, as well as the receiving upside. Uh, we're not missing anything here, right? This is a this is a automatic. Yeah, it, there's a lot of people that are doing gymnastics around the Brees Hall situation and a lot of people. The thing is, I don't think he's like a perfect prospect, right? Which is what a lot of people are saying. He's in that, you know, Jonathan Taylor level of prospect. Coming yeah, I think he's below that. Yes, I'm with you. No, but I mean, the thing is, he's been really, really good every year he's in college. And I think we just get prospect fatigue. Yeah. Right. Like Brees Hall is really good. He is the best running back in this class. And I think people are just tired of saying that. So right. I think the only reason that people are ranking others ahead of Brees Hall at this point is because they're just bored and trying to be contrarian to what the belief is. But I, I think he's, you know, he may not be the first running back. You never know if Kenneth Walker may sneak in there, but his prototypical size, where he's going to get drafted, his ability to catch the ball, his athleticism. I mean, he's, the in the film scores that I'm seeing as well on some of this stuff, he's the best running back in this class. I hope he I hope he goes like I hope he's the third running back taken because that happened to uh, Jonathan Taylor when Edwards Hilaire got taken in front of him and right. it just pushed more Jonathan Taylors to me in rookie drafts where people would you know pass on him for some inexplicable reason and so yeah I'm I'm fine with that. I hope it's like, you know, Kenneth Walker and Isaiah Spiller ahead of him. That'd be fucking fantastic. Say you're going to see fucking Isaiah Spiller get drafted ahead of Brees Hall and I'm going to lose my shit. It's going to be great. Just so you know, you really actually want that to happen. You really do because that, I know. that will just put, oh, Isaiah Spiller back to RB1. Let's do it. You know, and you're like, fucking go right ahead. I'm just going to continue to get frustrated that these NFL teams spend millions of dollars on people evaluating prospects and they're still drafting Isaiah fucking Spiller. Over Brees yeah. Hall. Well, they drafted Clyde Edwards Hilaire over Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, and Cam Akers. So they're liable to do anything. I don't um, I, I don't want to keep being reminded of that. I mean, all four of them too. It wasn't like, oh, well, they just missed on that one guy. You know, it's like, no, you had four dope running backs that you were just like, eh. Because you know I'm going. a Chiefs fan, and it's painful oh, for me yeah. to just have Clyde roll. Clyde Edwards Hilaire out there who looks like a small bowling, a slow bowling ball. Yes. Who just, they don't even pass him the ball. <laughs> the I, one thing he was drafted to do. I remember when I was, uh, you know, making fun of Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you know, after the draft and saying, you know, like, the, don't get too excited. You know, I had people saying he's going to route linebackers into submission. That was the, that was my favorite quote that someone just put me in my place. And I, every now and again, I just 
unlike and relike that tweet every now and again. Um, anyway, I'm not, I'm, I'm definitely vindictive. I, you know, and you know, that guy just like has to eat that. Cause like, I was, you know, was going to say, you're not very spiteful about that. Yeah, are you? No, it's fun as fuck though. It's really <laughs> cool to watch someone be like, whoa, whoa, they just get mad at you again. Like just for liking their tweet. It's so much fun. It's so subversive. Yeah. I'm definitely a prick, but, um, but the, the guy that I'm, um, a little bit nervous about because it's like some parts of his profile are so awesome. And other part, i.e. receiving is so bad kenneth walker i am so nervous that he is just not going to see the uh the field on passing downs and because it's an awful awful receiving profile like really bad it's not just okay it's bad and so for that reason it's all projection that he can be a three down player at the next level and he's my running back too yeah and and the thing is like so people are doing gymnastics watching like his high school film to say that he's a good pass catcher. And it makes me laugh every single time. Yeah. But I mean, the, even a player like, I mean, Zach Moss wasn't anything close to what uh, Kenneth Walker was in college. But one of the big knocks on Zach Moss was that he wasn't a good pass catcher. And look, he's not a good pass catcher in, and he's not being used in that way at, really at all right now for the Buffalo Bills. And I think Kenneth Walker is definitely going to have his role in the NFL. I think he's going to, I mean, he's my second ranked running back. You know, yeah. I think, I think he's too good of a rusher not to have him up there. And the speculation between if, can he become a pass catcher? I think kind of gives him that type of ceiling, but yeah. I mean, what, what's the point of even looking at correlating statistics? <laughs> right. If, if, if we are trying to say that Kenneth Walker is actually a good receiver based on no evidence whatsoever. Right, you know? right. You can't say that. You can only say it's possible, which, of course, anything is possible. Right. Um, but it's not probable based off of past data. Like, it's just not. Like, players and prospects who have looked like him from a pass-catching standpoint rarely, if ever, or never, have been good at the other, at the next level. So that's the, that's the fear. So that's why this class is so fucked when it comes to the running back position, because he's so clearly to me, the, 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 the running back too, it's like, I just can't move anybody else there, including Isaiah Spiller, who you already pointed out. I have him as my RB five. And I feel like that's about as uh, that's about where I I'm comfortable with him. I do think he's going to get draft capital. He's not yet 21 years old. He was productive in the sec. He caught passes, but the 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 athleticism is a concern. The fact that he was thoroughly outproduced by his teammates at Texas A&M is also a concern. But look, that draft capital, the the pass catching, the sort of pedigree, that's enough for him to be a potentially valuable player, uh, like a Josh Jacobs was for many years in this league. Uh, is it not? Yeah, I'm and the thing I'm I'm right there with you having him as my number five, and it's purely because of his prototypical size and where he's probably going to get drafted. Um, He can catch the ball. He's not very efficient with his opportunities, uh, which is really concerning for running back is their lack of efficiency uh, on that front. Um, I think Devin Akane is going to be a freak this year for Texas A&M. So it is, you know, tough to make that kind of comparison. Yeah. Um, You sniped me in the, uh, in the campus Canton league we're doing. (laughs) I, 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 Kyle's I love him, man. I absolutely yeah, I love him. him. But th- th- there's there's a lot of red flags for Isaiah Spiller to me. I see him being like a really high floor, you know, or at least it, it has some floor, which some of these players have no floor, but just yes. no ceiling whatsoever. Right. I mean, it, it's just going to be 
three and a half yards per carry and getting like three catches a game, you know, yeah. is, is probably what you're going to get out of him. And so I, I want to move him down more, but I, I, I can't with where he's probably going to get drafted. You can't, you really can't. As I was looking at it, you just can't move him down. It doesn't mean that he's not worse than some of the guys behind him. It just means that that's where he has to be. And you're right. You know, he's going to get opportunity and, and you know, yeah, I just don't ever see him, taking look he didn't I mean I know people give me coach centric analysis on you know whoever the fuck the coach was at Texas A&M Bo Pelini or whoever the fuck it is I I don't don't know it doesn't (laughs) matter but you know and and Ray G did that to me he goes uh do you know who the coach is I'm like of course I don't know who the coach is there but you know um but but they'll say he didn't uh they didn't you know ever give anybody more carries than this that or the other but he didn't take that backfield over he didn't command it because he got as many carries or as much percentage of the carries as a freshman as he did as a a sophomore and then as a junior as a matter of fact his production went down so i you know that's concerning because now you expect this guy to walk in and fucking take over an nfl uh backfield sounds sounds like it's gonna be difficult especially when you consider the fact that in like 90 percent of these nfl backfields there's already a player that I had probably ranked higher than Isaiah Spiller as a prospect coming out at, in their backfield already. So, and, good and luck. one of the things that I've really been liking looking at lately um, is Graham Barfield's uh, his uh, yards created for prospects. I think that's really interesting to to look at. Um, and looking at Isaiah Spiller's, I mean, he's in like the third percentile. So after a player gets past what is blocked for them how many yeah. yards they create on their own after that. He's like at a three percentile, third Jesus. percentile. So, I mean, he, he got what he was blocked and nothing more. Um, so it, it's, it's just really concerning, man. But he, as you said, he's probably going to get drafted fine. Uh, and he's probably going to get opportunity, but I just don't think he's going to do anything with that. Yeah. I, I mean, we're out. We're just all the way out. So there we go. Um, the guy that I'm starting to get a little bit more excited about is a guy that at least you can make an excuse as to why he was, you know, played off the field for four straight seasons at Alabama, and that's Brian Robinson. He was at Alabama. He did play with a lot of other dope players. And then this past year, granted, he was an older player, 50-year senior, but he was, you know, 1,300 yards, 35 catches, um, I, you know, again, in this shit class, like I have him one spot ahead of Isaiah Spiller. Like, is he better than Isaiah Spiller? I mean, probably, maybe. Is he going to get draft capital? Probably. So I guess he's another guy. <laughs> I don't know. This is this is the excitement I've got for my number four <laughs> running back in this class. Yeah, we're we're going to be sitting here for the rest of these process going, I don't know, maybe. You know, yeah. like there, there's a chance, but I, I'm, I am. I was really down on Brian Robbins. I, I thought coming into evaluation, I was going to hate him. I was going to have him really low. Um, his numbers, his last year, the thing that makes it tough is that Alabama is just such a good team that there's a good probability if you're getting the bulk of opportunity in that offense, you're going to end up being pretty good, right? Agreed. So it, it, he, he has like 400-pound guys blocking for him. Uh, you know, and so he's, he had a pretty good yards per carry, at, you know, five yards per carry, which is a 30th percentile, uh, for what he had this year. Uh, pretty, as you said, pretty good receiving yards. Um, I, I see him pretty similarly to Isaiah Spiller, except, uh, you know, I, he's six foot two, 224. 
uh, a little bit older than Isaiah Spiller at 23 years old. Uh, probably going to get that draft capital. Um, I just don't see much of a ceiling. I, I think a team's going to probably bring him in, think of him as a good uh, pass blocking and uh, grinding running back, and he probably won't get very much pass catching opportunity. So um, if, if that's your forte to draft in the second round, um, then go for it. Uh, that's typically not the player that I'm going to be drafting when it comes to these. I, I like players with that uh, t- prototypical three down skill set. Uh, when looking at this, but you never know. Yeah, he didn't. Brian Robinson didn't have very much competition in that backfield this past year for his final season, and he wasn't all that explosive. He only five yards a carry, as you point out, uh, eight and a half yards per catch. So it wasn't like he was explosive, but he is a physical downhill runner, and I think the NFL will value that. And if he's good enough to catch the football, I've heard some negatives about his pass blocking. I don't fucking know if he's a good pass blocker, but you know, it's like whether or not he can see the field, uh, you know, in the NFL enough to be fantasy relevant is definitely possible. Like yeah. he's got the A on the side of the helmet. Like he's going to get draft capital. He, he, you know, who, who knows? I mean, stranger things have happened. than all of a sudden Brian Robinson for a year or two is like, you know, of Mike Davis, you know what I mean? I'm just saying like, you know, where he's utilizing all facets and scores 10 touchdowns. And you're like, well, eh, fucking A, Brian Robinson, you know, so. And, and, and you're 100% right about the A on the side of the helmet. During our campus to Canton draft we just did, it's so easy to just default to these Alabama LSU players, you know, to think that you're going to get good hits on them. So yeah. I, I think he's going to be an early round pick, as you said, you know, either like yeah. a probably a third round pick to be honest, when most people probably would have him closer to like a fifth round pick in (laughs) their own evaluations. But, you know, he, he, I I see him as a two down grinder, nothing more, Um, you know, like a way worse version of Josh Jacobs as he's kind of been, Josh Jacobs kind of picks it up in the pass catching game. But the first few years of Josh Jacobs where we are screaming for him to get more targets, I think he's going to be a really, really, really poor man's Josh Jacobs. Yeah, Jacobs and, for a little and, bit. And, and this is why when we're having this type of conversation, trying to find a running back three, four, five, whatever, trying to figure out who the fuck that is. That's why we want to be drafting wide receivers in this spot, because we can clearly point to some talented wide receivers at this point. And then once, you know, your league mates are drafting all these, you know, it's it's sort of like they're all 80s. You know, they're all like, you know, they're they're overall ratings. All these running backs are like 80s across the board, like or 75, whatever. They're just not that great, not that bad. And there's a lot of these, you know, 75 to 80 rankings, so to speak. Whereas in the in the wide receiver group, there's a bunch of 90s and then it gets down to like 60s and 70s. So just keep drafting, you know, the the value as it's there with these running backs. And so after we get past you know, uh, Isaiah Spiller, Brian Robinson, it starts to become muted because you mentioned Keontae Ingram. I had him as high as almost like seven or whatever, but you know, it's like from there, I mean, there's like through 20 guys almost. It's like, I I could almost be talked into any of these guys. Um, do you kind of feel the same way? Like you could change my rankings from six to 20. I'd be like, yeah, whatever. I don't fucking know. know? There's one other. So what I've kind of done is there's like three or four running backs that I have decided to just consider my guys and like really care about this year. And so if those players are available to me in the draft, I'm probably going to end up taking them. But if those players are not there, I'm not going to sit around and try and reach for one of these running backs that I, I, you know, 
it's very unlikely that they become something and it's just random probability that they do. So like right. Damian Pierce is another guy that I really yeah. like this year. I mean, he had 64th percentile yards per carry. He had a pretty good receiving numbers for how much he was actually playing and the, and the yards created uh, uh, charting that Graham Barfield does. He was number two out of this class for yards that he created on his own after like he got past what was blocked for him. So even though there's concerns about his athleticism, you know, in the four, six, 40 time, um, his, his efficiency numbers and his explosive play numbers and what he's actually creating on his own, plus some receiving capability is enough for me to look past uh, those maybe athletic deficiencies that you see on testing uh, for, you know, what he could probably become. And he's a big dude at 5'10", 225 pounds, you know? So I, I, he, he kind of fits all that criteria that I'm looking for in these middle uh, rookie draft running backs. Um, so I, he's one of like the three players that Rashad White, Keontae Ingram, Damian Pierce are kind of those three guys that I'm Next. looking to draft in those later rounds. Yeah, you're hitting me right down the middle, too. I love Rashad White. I really like Keontae Ingram. I'm a little upset I didn't move him up in my sort of final draft of this. But, you know, it's, I, I mentioned, a, a, you know, in response to a tweet, I said it's like spaghetti back there. I don't know what I'm doing. But, you know, Damian Pierce, I have it running back seven. So I'm with you. He's got that, you know, that perfect running back body, 5'10", 224. Didn't really have that much athleticism and explosion. But dude is a fucking rock. And, you know, the, the, the scouting community loves him. I think the NFL is going to like him enough to draft him at least in the third round. I don't know. Maybe he gets second round capital. I think he's a third round pick. Um, You know, that's where I think he ends up. Uh, You know, a lot of these running backs, I think are going to end up in the third round. I think there's going to be a bunch of them. That's where it's going to start. I don't think maybe you'll get one first round running back. Maybe. I don't think any, maybe one or none. Right. I think. And then the second round, maybe two or three, you know, four, maybe. Right. One more thing about uh, Graham Barfield's charting that he does. He yeah. also charts how often a quarterback gets sacked due to the running back misblocked. Uh, Damian Pierce had zero. There was not one sack that was caused due to his pass blocking. And that is going to be very much valued at the NFL level. So yes, uh, yeah. that, he's yeah. really solid in my opinion. Yeah, I think he's probably a better football player than Isaiah Spiller. There, I said it. Yep, I agree. Yep. So, and, and the other guy that we both, I think, have liked a little bit, and we also had uh, Noah Hills, who really liked him. And, you know, I've got him at running back six, although I know that he's probably not even going to get Dave. I mean, he's he could be a fifth or sixth or seventh round pick. Is Kevin Harris, who, uh, you know, might get, you know, moved back because of health. I'm not sure if he's all the way back. Uh, what what did you see? I think your uh, your your metrics really like Kevin Harris. Tell us a little bit about what you think there. <clears throat> so Kevin Harris is going to be pretty tough to evaluate, probably from an NFL standpoint, just because his sophomore year was so unreal. I mean, yeah. he had one of the highest dominator scores ever charted for a player in terms of his opportunity. He had 16 total touchdowns, had really good reception totals at you know t- essentially a 10 percent target share that year. Um, and also, I mean, he's, he's massive at 5'10", 220 pounds, kind of like that Damian Pierce size that we really yep. like. Um, but one of the things that kind of differentiates himself, although he kind of ran, he ran a four five six at his pro day, it looks like I love running backs with a high burst score as well. Um, that's kind of what I look for in that zone scheme that a lot of these NFL teams run is being able to go outside and use their burst to get up the field. 
Um, I think he could be really interesting for, you know, a team that runs that type of formation. Um, but I know last year was tough because they have uh, South Carolina had a couple of different prospects and uh, Kevin Harris kind of, you know, you're hoping for him to take the leap after that sophomore year. I think but he hurt his soft- back too. Yeah, that sophomore year is just so it's so good comparatively to what a lot of these other running backs have had. Into I mean that sophomore season is better than most of what these running back prospects have had in a single season, right? You know, in in, in their career, and that's just right. something that I can't ignore. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I yeah, that's the thing with 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 Kevin Harris is it's like, you know, I'm, if I'm shooting for which I am, by the way, I'm shooting for ceiling, right? then it's like, well, Kevin Harris has that. Like, you know, he's got, like you like you point out, he's got the big body, you know, 5'10", 220. Um, he does have, in that sophomore season, which was uh, 2020, um, you know, he did get to 21 catches. So he, he, he shows the receiving profile, 16 touchdowns, six almost six and a half yards of carry. He was, you know, I mean, he was basically six and a half yards of carry until this last year where – you know, I don't know, maybe he shouldn't have come out. He's still only 21 years old. So, you know, he's coming out as a junior and injured. So I don't know if that's a mistake because all the mock draft database I see is like, he's like pick 250, which is like barely drafted. So we'll have to see if the NFL told him, Hey man, we're going to draft you. you He was like, good enough, you know? So it'll be interesting to see where he gets taken. I'll be watching Kevin Harris very, very closely to see, where he yep. goes. We're about in to get into draft. Brian um, Kovac and Julius after Chestnut. After Kevin Harris and Keontae Ingram the real and Damian begins. Pierce. And <clears throat> who, who are you looking at at the next spot uh, as someone to keep your eye on? Oh, he loves Kovac. Fucking go out again. Hey. I, oh, am I there? Yeah. Oh, good. Did you hear me the whole time? No. Did I go out? Yeah. You, you went out after. Uh, he had 20 reception, 21 Fuck receptions. Me. God damn it. I will fucking kill somebody. Not, not you guys. Cause you're not doing it. It's, it's my, I appreciate it. I'm going to send you a, uh, wireless hotspot. No, man, I have it. I just, you know, sometimes when it's like all day like this, Michael P. Duncan has seen this situation before. Normally I come in, I, uh, unplug, replug, do this, some sort of fucking, you know, bullshit. And then the whole thing works perfect. But right now it's like, it goes in and out. Anyway, yeah. Captain Underpants. I've got to go read some Captain Underpants with my son pretty soon. So we got to get going. Okay. Sounds um, good. But, um, I was just going to say, fuck 21 catches. You know, I think, you know, Kevin Harris, uh, obviously was told by the NFL to come out after his junior year because, you know, he, he was injured. He didn't have a very good season. He had a good sophomore season, as you point out, but he is coming out. So I'll be very interested to see where he gets drafted in the NFL, Blake. But after that group, uh, Damian Pierce and, you know, and Keontae Ingram and uh, Kevin Harris, who, who kind of catches your eye in that next uh, section of players that you might be keeping your eye on? So there's kind of a group of players that I consider like, good satellite backs you know but i'm not i'm not really interested in drafting them but if they fall low enough i mean maybe which is kind of that james cook i mean there's no way i'm getting james cook james cook has been going like late first early second lately i'm totally out at that point if that's where he's going kyron williams is starting to go in like the third round and a small athletic guy that i mean he originally was talked about being like a second round pick in the NFL and him being that unathletic really dropped him. So I'm interested if he's like going into the third round. Um, 
And then uh, Tyler Goodson is everything that you want from your satellite back. He's actually, uh, he's not as small. He's still under 200 pounds, right? So he's kind of on the smaller side. But he has a 95th percentile 40-yard dash, a 73rd percentile speed score. I mean, he ran the ball 256 times for 1,200 yards, essentially, last year. So he handled a really good amount of work. Uh, and he had a really good reception count. I mean, he averaged probably about 26 receptions a year for about 200 y- receiving yards per year, which for Iowa offense, when they're throwing like none, he had a, essentially a 12% target share. So he's kind of your discount. He, he's what you wanted Kyron Williams to be at the combine. Um, and a, a lot of Iowa fans have come out and said that he, you know, they, they have some concern about how good he actually is. But his numbers on paper look good enough that if I'm drafting a satellite back, he's probably the one I'm going to end up with in like the fourth round. You know, are you drafting satellite backs in this draft? If there is, as I said, there's there's a tier that I'm like, okay, if they fall far enough, I will consider them. But my yeah. draft strategy is always centered around three down skill sets, big backs. And those that have potential to, even though they're probably not going to start, especially when they're getting drafted in like this fourth through seventh round, it's kind of like the the AJ Dillon corollary, right? Like yeah. he has the skill set; he's big enough that when he comes in, he becomes like an RB one, right? And AJ Dillon's obviously a much better prospect than most of these guys were, but the the, the point is more of a big running back that has the skill set. If they come in, they can give you RB one, RB two numbers, and then potentially take that spot depending on who's in front of them. I guess I'm just talking about like there's Hassan Haskins and Kennedy Brooks and Jerome Ford and Tyler Algier and our guys Julius Chestnut and Brian oh, Kobach. Brian Kobach, all these guys who have like these, you know, in, in Zamir White or whatever, you know, and if. I feel like if I'm going to take a, a sort of quote unquote satellite back, it's going to be maybe pure strong or even late, late, like Isaiah Pacheco or something. But, you know, I, I just think there's enough of these guys. It's going to be interesting to see where they all land because you're right. The NFL is going to take, you know, who they think is the next JD McKissick, James white, you right. know, and, 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 and draft them as such, whether it's James cook, Tyler Beatty. I like Tyler Beatty a little bit, Tyler Goodson, Pacheco, Pierre strong, right. Yep. There's enough of these guys that they're going to find some spots. But um, I think Pierre Strong is the one that actually, you know, like sort of profiles as maybe enough, uh, you know, every down uh, profile. Uh, where, <laughs> What do you think about that? Yeah, so I always have a really tough time grading these running backs that are from non-Division one schools. Yeah. You know, I, I just don't know how to compare their numbers in the context to who they're playing against. Obviously, his numbers are really good. Last year, he had, what, 1,700 rushing yards, 22 catches. Uh, so, And he had seven yards per carry, which is 92nd percentile for all prospects. But what does that actually mean when you're playing in South Dakota State? The right. toughest team they play all year is the University of Kansas, my alma mater, who had won three football games in the four years I went to college there. You know, that's not and a lot. So, and so he he's running train on these really terrible schools who, as I made the context before, like probably I would say 75, maybe 80 percent of these players are going to become like accountants yeah. and, you know, you know, business people. And 
So, and no offense to business people, I am, I am an engineer, so I am part of the corporate world, but that's the competition that he's playing against. He's already 23 years old. I mean, I feel the same way about, uh, I love Bryant Kobach and Julius Chestnut and both of them, but I don't really know how to contextualize what they're right. doing on the football field comparatively right. to what these other prospects are doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I mean, we've got to end on Bryant Kobach and Julius Chestnut because everybody knows that's RB1, RB2 of this class. Absolutely, man. No doubt about I, it. I love Bryant Kobach so much. Uh, he actually was recommended to me just a few weeks ago uh, by David Wilsey. Uh, right. He told me to go look at him when I was putting in my process. And his numbers are insane. I, I love high, efficient running backs, as I said before. He's over you know six yards per carry. Uh, has a really good amount of receptions his last couple of years. And last year he had 11.1 yards per catch. So it's not like he was just getting dump offs and just running a couple yards down the field. He's getting like actual routes. I mean, that, yeah. that's what some of these wide receivers we were talking about earlier, they had 11 yards per catch, you know? Uh, so he's really, Ryan Kobach is going to be really interesting come these next four days. Yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, when you're in your rookie draft and you see someone take Brian Kobach, you'll be like, fuck, man, you listen to Undrafted too, you motherfucker? You know, be like, shit, I thought I was the only one, motherfucker. You know, right. but yeah, it's just going to be Julius Chestnut and Brian Kobach back to back in the late fourth and be like, shit. And I'm going to be really sad, but I don't expect anyone to take them from me. I I will take them in the second round if I need to. Yes, I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> just just affecting ADPs all over the place is Blake just taking Brian Kobach way above <laughs> ADP. I love it. Yeah. Oh, how about how about how about uh, in this latest mock we did or whatever? Like I I thought uh, Zamir White was still there. And it was Zaquandre, so I took <laughs> Zaquandre. But I was like the one who invited everybody, so I immediately erased my pick while the draft was still going and literally you pressed the button for Brian Kobach and it was unavailable because I replaced Zaquandre White with Brian Kobach and like commissioner sniped you on Brian Kobach in a mock. Did I not do that exactly that way? I threw my fucking phone across the room when I saw that because not only that, but I almost drafted like Letty Brown. Or some shit like that. Because I was about to click Brian Kobach and then immediately the next person up was like Letty Brown. And I I just flipped shit. And my wife is like, what in the hell are you like all upset about? And Yes. And I basically it, told you to go fuck yourself in the text too. I was like, yeah, it's not yours. It's mine. And it was so dirty. But of course, I would never do that in a real draft. But in the mock, I felt completely uh, okay doing some, some nasty shit like I, that. I was all fired up about it for like the next 10 minutes. It was so fun. Uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Everybody was like, that was fucked up, man. I was like, you know. Yeah, it was. You, so. Yeah, it was <laughs> awesome. It was so good. So, yeah, that that happened. So that's that's the lengths I'm willing to go for Brian Kobach is, you know, commissioner-adjusted pick right before Blake Hampton I know is going to take him. Just put him right the in my thing lineup. is, man, like, I mean, so it's tough for these guys who don't get invited to the combine. There's yeah. a chance that some of, one of these guys gets drafted. And if yeah. that's if they get drafted, I mean, wheels up, baby. We're yeah. we're, we're we're going. Yeah, because Brian Kobach is the James Robinson, you know, of this of this draft. If we must, I mean, right. you know, just that's the that's the guy with the profile. That's like check 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 check. Everything's there except sort of the the initial uh, college pedigree and the draft capital. So, you know, everything else looks like he's good, except nobody thinks he's any good. That's, that's the problem, you know, and same thing happened with James Robinson. Nobody thought he was any good. He didn't go, he didn't get fucking drafted, you know, and he wasn't top of the depth chart anywhere. He just sort of 
you know, all, everybody died in front of him and he was, there he was. And then guess what? He was good, you know? So uh, yeah. it's, it's unlikely that Brian Kobach gets that kind of luck, but if, if somehow he finds his way onto a, onto a roster, you know, he'll be stashed at, uh, in the undroppable. So that's for right. sure. All right, homie. Well, that's it, baby. You excited? For the, you excited for this uh, for this NFL draft? I mean, it's going to be a lot of curveballs. I, I, I mean, I can't wait, man. And you yeah. know, being as a Chiefs fan, we have two first round picks. Um, I, I think there's a chance that we move up in the draft. So just just as a fan, I'm really excited. But from a fantasy perspective too, I think it's going to be as I said. People are just going to throw all their shit out the window the minute tomorrow happens. After the first round's over, it's like all this research never actually happened these last three months. All this arguing is for nothing because it's a brand new clean slate and everyone's biases are about to be reaffirmed uh, over the next few days. I don't know if you heard who I took for your Kansas City Chiefs in the uh, NFL mock draft. Did you Did you catch that? I did not see that. I took, uh, I took Traylon Burks and the Booth Kid from uh, Clemson, the cornerback. Dude, if we end up with Traylon Burks, I will streak down my street. <laughs> That's what I did. I, I almost double tapped Sky Moore and Traylon Burks right there. But, you know, I figured you might want a corner the, too. The, so. the, easy, the easy one is that boy, Mafe. Yeah, uh, I love that Minnesota. dude. Love uh, that dude. I, I, th- I see a lot of people uh, slotting him because we really need some linebacker help uh, yeah. and some edge rushers. But yep. if we end up with Traylon Burks, um, I, yeah, I'm, I clothes are gone. Yeah. The pants are getting tight. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. I get it. I mean, it's like my, my Patriots pick at like, uh, 21 and like, I, I don't know what I'll do. I actually don't want him to take Traylon because that means he's Nikhil Harry, right? You know, if the right. Patriots take him, yeah. like if the Steelers take him at 20, then he's fucking AJ Brown, right? Like yeah. there's not, that's just the way it goes. So, you know, if you're fan, you just don't want whoever the Patriots say, like whoever that is, just get them away from me. So yeah. I don't even know. I, Patriots are so odd in the draft. I, yeah. I, I have no clue where they're going to go with this. They could use a wide receiver though. Yeah. I think they're going to take a guard. That's what I took. I took Zion Johnson for him. Just That'd give be me a good a, pick though. Yeah. Just, yeah, exactly. Yes. So what do you know? We're going to get excited. I'm going to be, I'm going to be live tweeting. I usually do. I usually do the, uh, the old live tweet where I, uh, just do the, um, uh, skill positions. So yeah. I'll just kind of, anytime a skill position is picked, I give a quick, stupid fucking answer to what I think. So it was like the, when Jordan Love got picked, I was like, what the fuck kind of mushrooms did the front office of Green Bay take? You know, <laughs> they must be on some really good acid right now. And Oh, a hundred percent. And yeah. my wife is a uh, Packers fan. So oh. she, these last couple of drafts, she has not been happy. Yeah. Well, this, this year they've got two first. They can't fuck it up. Right. No, no possible way. What could go wrong? Are there any good fullbacks? We should look they, and make sure. They take Sam Howell. <laughs> oh, oh boy! I said they're gonna no. They, if they if they took, they'd have to take Carson Strong in the first round. That would be the equivalent of taking fucking Jordan Love. It's just awful. Carson Strong. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. We didn't get to him. <laughs> yeah. No. If, if yeah, Carson Strong, Bailey Zappi. Yeah. All all those players that I, I don't even know if I pronounced his Perry. last name right. EJ Perry's the guy. That's the that's the kid from Brown. That's my. Yeah, guy. I was gonna say, see that guy from Brown. <laughs> yeah, that's my guy. That's that's the guy. If I have like the 60th pick in any of these drafts, that's what I'm fucking taking. Yeah, <laughs> unless Julius Chestnut or Brian Kobach are on the board, then of course. But you know, 
Yeah, I mean, why not, right? It, That's right. What's the worst that happens? He doesn't play? That's what yeah. most of these players in the fourth, fifth round of your rookie picks are going to end up being, but... Tyler Huntley was once that guy. So, I mean, you know, he was, he basically went undrafted in almost every single rookie draft. But my point was he was one of those late quarterbacks and, you know, you just look for some of that, you know, you look for a little bit of uh, lightning in a bottle with those late picks. You just don't want to take like, what was it? Jake Fromm or whatever, you know, that, that, that's a wasted pick. Don't fucking pick Jake Fromm. Don't pick yeah. Carson Strong. Yeah. It's a waste. Oh God. Carson Strong is a waste of your rookie pick. If you're yeah. out there taking him. Unless the NFL picks him in the top 15, then draft him right away. But they they're won't. not going to. Exactly. That's my point. Like, <laughs> if he's a third round pick, he is, you know, of course, that's my point. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But, like, he, it, my, he could be bad, but if he still, if he was drafted 11th overall, it doesn't fucking matter. Just draft him because he's a top 15 quarterback, which yeah. is the dumbest thing in the world. But that's how it works. All right, buddy. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming. Tell everybody where they can find you on the uh, on the old internet. Because I will tell you if you're if you're following me and not following Blake, you're doing it wrong. So tell them where they can find you, brother. Yeah, man. So you can find me on Twitter at Blake A Hampton. All of my stuff is on the Undroppables exclusively. Uh, a lot of my uh, theory, um, math, models stuff is being put in our Discord. Uh, a lot of my Twitter content is a bunch of shithousery these days. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking for a lot of the, you know, in-depth analysis, a lot of it is on the undroppables discord. Um, but you, you can find me at Blake a Hampton. I'll probably also be live tweeting during the draft as well. So yeah, no, that, that, uh, that discord Patreon, uh, page is linked right on your, on your, uh, Twitter, yep. uh, Twitter page. So yeah, I mean, go, go look, you can pick this dude's brain all day long. Uh, so hop in there. It's a, it's a a great place, the discord. So thanks for coming on on behalf of everybody here at the undroppables on behalf of everybody here at the undrafted on behalf of a soon to be very sad Philadelphia 76ers fan when they get the first team to go from three Oh to four, three in the NBA, Michael P Duncan. On behalf of our great guest, Blake Hampton, I am Jax Falcone, and we are...